Well, we praise the Lord. It's so good uh, to be here today. How many of you have uh, some uh, know or somebody in your family is uh, the men's retreat this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Several, I think. I think uh, Pastor Landon said there's around 25 that are at the men's retreat, and uh, we've been thinking of them and praying for them. It's so good. I so appreciate God has blessed you with a very special man in uh, Pastor Landon Churchill. We uh, so much appreciate him and what he stands for. Today, we want to look in God's Word at a portion that uh, I think is one of the most exciting um, in the Old Testament. And probably Isaiah 53 is one of my favorite, but uh, if anything, Habakkuk is, uh, is the next to that. Let's pray as we look into God's word. Lord, we just ask that you would open our eyes that we might see wonderful things from your word. We praise you in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. You know, as we look into the word today, we're thinking of <clears throat> things that are, are wrong, things that aren't fair in life. I don't know if you've been following the news some. There's this talk about Brian Landry and Gabby Petito that was found dead. And we see around us in the world a lot of things that, that just aren't fair, that just aren't right. But down to a more personal level, Probably all of us have faced some situations and say, that's just not fair. Or maybe the kids have come and said, Mom and Dad, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's right. We all struggle at times, don't we, with things that aren't fair, things that are wrong, things that just aren't right in life. And quite frankly, um, we're going to see that the, past, that, uh, the prophet Habakkuk, was struggling with that very same thing. Our text um, here, in verse 4, it says, See, he is puffed up, his desires are not upright. In other words, God is saying that that puffed up and proud person isn't right. But... The righteous will live by his faith. Well, now, what is so outstanding about that? Well, let's just go back again. In chapter 1, it, we find uh, Habakkuk saying in verse 2, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? And you don't listen. Or cry out to you, Violence! But you don't save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict 
abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Probably um, you have had the thing that has uh, come to you at times that the matter of uh, something that is wrong, is perverted, isn't, isn't right, <clears throat> and perhaps you've heard somebody say after some horrible thing happens, maybe their son or daughter or maybe a loved one has been killed in a car accident and they make this statement, where was God when this happened? And somebody as well answered, he's the same place that he was when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. Now, interestingly, you notice the Habakkuk here is making his complaint before God. Lord, I'm crying for you to come on the scene and to straighten things out. And it doesn't seem like you do. And then if you look down, and I'm not going to go into all the verses here, but um, the Lord answers back Habakkuk in the rest of chapter 1 and tells him that uh, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They're feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. The Lord answers back, Habakkuk in a way he doesn't expect. He says, <clears throat> I'm allowing the Babylonian people to come in and straighten things out. I'm allowing them to come in and conquer and uh, do things. And he says, they're fierce. Uh, they're a law to themselves. And the, the, the prophet comes back towards the end of the chapter here and he says, Lord, how can you allow somebody that is um, more wicked than us to come in and, uh, and help straighten things out? You know, God's ways are, are sometimes a little different than what we expect, aren't they? And that's what uh, he is saying here. And he, he says it's kind of like a fish in the sea. And, uh, and these Babylonians are catching these fish in the sea and, and bringing them in, and then they're worshiping their nets. All of this just kind of wild as far as the prophet's concerned. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, he says, <clears throat> I stand at my watch. I station myself at the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Notice what the Lord says here. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation 
make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And that's, of course, brings us to our text. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous will live by their faith. And you know, I, I would encourage you to read through, it's only three chapters in Habakkuk. It ends up <laughs> in real triumph. But re read it on your own. But I'm going to jump from this. This little verse, verse 4, but the righteous will live by his faith is quoted three times in the New Testament. Three times. I want to look at those three times to kind of get where we're headed here today. Number one, it's quoted in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. You've probably heard the verse, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul then goes ahead in verse 17 and says, For the gospel, for in the gospel a righteousness for God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. Where? In Habakkuk 2.4. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. <clears throat> he says that God's righteousness is revealed by faith. Being right with God is revealed by faith. And it's revealed how? In the gospel. What is the gospel? It's good news. What is the good news? What is it? Well, um, 1 Corinthians 15 says that the gospel which is preached unto you, how that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So what is the good news? The good news is the message of the cross. The good news is that Christ died and rose again. You know, it suddenly dawned onto me this week that the worst, the most unfair, the most horrible, unjust thing happened to the most deserving, the most worthy, the most righteous person that ever lived. Did you ever think of that? Think of just a, a bit about Jesus. What wrong had he done? None. Which one of you, he said, can convince me of sin? Would you dare say that? I sure would not, would you? And yet Jesus, 
who had done no wrong, had healed the sick, had made the lame to walk, had given sight to the blind, had preached good news to the poor, had set at liberty people. This person was falsely accused and taken to the worst possible consequences. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely not. The most unfair, cruel, mean, and horrible thing happened to Jesus. And th th that's not all. God allowed it to happen. Why would God allow such an injustice to happen to his son? And I came to about three conclusions on that. Number one, God allowed this cruel, mean, horrible thing to happen to Jesus to, number one, prove that God loves us. We have a verse on my mother's tombstone. God proved his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever doubt that God loves you, look back to the cross. What's John 3.16? Do you know what it is? For God, so say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So one reason God allowed it is to prove that he loves you. Another reason that God allowed it to happen was that he might redeem us or buy us back from the slavery to sin and wickedness that we were caught up in. He did it to pay the debt, to get us out of jail of our own sin and, and wickedness. And the third thing that I thought of that God allowed it was so that he could perform the amazing exchange. What exchange am I talking about? Well, the exchange of where I have my sin, you have your sin, that was placed upon Jesus, that his righteousness, his forgiveness, would be placed upon us. Isn't that an amazing exchange? Yes. So the cross, with all of its injustices, you know, every time you look at the cross, you need to be amazed. God took that most unfair, horrible thing and turned it around 
to make it into one of the most precious and blessed things. You know, many times I, I look to see these athletes, they wear a cross. Some of you may wear crosses and the like. Why? Because it's a symbol of what God has done in these terrible situations. Well, that's just the first time it's quoted. The second time it's quoted in the New Testament is in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. And here in chapter 3, you know, we can't make ourselves or other people right with God. Um, among one of the greatest lies that have been told, I used to firmly believe. What's that lie? And you ask a lot of people and they'll tell you, well, you know, I think if whenever I stand before God, if I've been a little bit better than I've been bad, I'll make it through. You ever hear that? If my good works just outweigh my bad works a little bit, I'll be all right. You know, I've not robbed a bank or killed anybody or raped anybody. So if my good works are a little better than my bad, I'll make it. You know what the Bible says? It says, all of my good works is like filthy rags. And do you know how good works, how good your works need to be? If they're going to be good enough to get you into heaven, they're going to have to be as good as Jesus. They're going to have to be perfect. Notice what it says here in Galatians chapter 3, and it's comparing, <clears throat> it's talking about keeping the law. That's our good works. Here in Galatians chapter 3, it says, All who reply on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Did you get that? In other words, if you're going to be perfect, if you're going to be right before God, you've got to keep every single law perfectly. Clearly, no one, did you get that, is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. <laughs> Do you get that? It's not by keeping perfectly the law. The law is not based on faith. But on the contrary, the man who does those things will live by them. It's, it's the same in our society. You have the policeman pull you over for driving too fast and the like. He doesn't ask you if you've been a better driver and a bad driver, does he? He's saying, you violated the, how much? One time. That's the way the law works. We have not kept the law. We've broken the law. It says the law is not based on faith, but it is uh, on the contrary. The man who does those things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, 
cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Wow. So if you've been operating on that schedule, well, you know, God will let me in if I've been. You're, you're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Unless you've kept it perfectly, and I dare say you haven't. Well, it's also found a third time in the New Testament. It's found in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, <clears throat> we basically are looking, you know, when life seems so unfair and everything seems to be going wrong, don't give up on God. Did you hear me? Don't give up on God. The story isn't over yet. You're not to the end of the book. Here in Hebrews chapter 10, he says in verse 35, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He who is coming will come and will not delay, but the righteous ones will live by faith. Did you get that? And if he shrinks back, I will have no pleasure in him. All right, what are we seeing here? Beloved, listen. <clears throat> the story that we're seeing here is that uh, things are not going to be right until Christ comes back again. I'm sorry, the Republican Party isn't going to make things right. The Democrat Party is not going to make things right. Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, when he comes back, he's going to make things right. If you read in Revelation chapter 19, here we read that um, in Hebrews chapter 19, it says that I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes will be like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him that no one can know but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has 
the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, beloved, I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But I do know that when he comes back, he will make things right. He will punish the wrong. And the Bible says before him every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's why in, here in Habakkuk, he reads that uh, though it linger, well, it actually says it speaks of the end. In other words, things aren't going to be really right until we get to the end. And it will not prove false. Though it linger, it's lingering now, isn't it? Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Don't you love that? Wow. Let me ask you the question. Have you turned and trusted Jesus Christ who took the hell and the wrong that you and I have done? Have you turned and trusted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you had him to change your life, to turn it around? He suffered unjustly for you and me, did he not? But if we're all true to him, we too will go through some injustice for his sake. Now, don't get me wrong. Our going through some injustice doesn't amount to our salvation as such, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you can expect you're going to have some unfairness and the Bible in Philippians 1.29 says, For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So, take comfort in the fact, if you're getting some unfairness or injustice because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's good news. But if you haven't turned to Christ, you know the Bible says that the that uh, the sufferings of this present life are not worth being compared to the glory that shall be hereafter. So it's not all that bad whenever you stop and think that uh, he's going to turn things around. That's what faith is about. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you came into our world with all of its wrongness 
and was willing to take our hell for us. Oh, God, help us today to not give up on you because things aren't going just right. Help that soul that's here today that has never bowed their knee to you as their Lord and Savior. To be willing to stop saying, well, I can be a little bit better and I'm bad, I'll make it. To realize that our goodness will never get us there. It'll only be through turning and trusting you. Help them to say, even as they would go home, maybe to bow beside their chair or bed at home and say, Lord, I want to turn to you and trust you as my Lord and Savior. And help us, Lord, who are your followers, to take heart even when injustice comes our way because your ways are higher than ours. Thank you for it in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. And may the Lord bless you and may you go in the love of God and in the knowledge that God does all things well. Praise the Lord. Amen.